Hi, it's Rachel, and this week's podcast diary of an actress will be talking to Emmy-winning writer Sherry Coben. I am so lucky she wrote my one-girl show, Sugar Happens, and we're going to go backstage and talk about that infamous night with Al Pacino and what went on during the creation and formation of that crazy show. Be sure to check out the diary. Take it to ride on my website, diaryofanactress.com. All right, welcome back to Diary of an Actress with Rachel Baylett. Today we're joined by Sherry Coben. Sherry, say hi. <laughs> welcome, Sherry. That's the biggest applause writers ever get. <laughs> well, this woman deserves uh, a nonstop uh, 24-hour cycle of applause. None of this would have happened without Sherry Coben. That is probably true. <laughs> there's always somebody behind the curtain you thanks where there's thanks yeah remember that curtain that huge curtain and oh my god i forgot about that sherry in the show oh, yeah. you get patchwork curtain oh, yeah it's all coming back wow uh <laughs> sherry so, we're so happy you're here with us go take it away max yeah so sherry how did you meet rachel what was uh, what was the meeting? What happened was I I worked on a television show with a producer named Mark Waxman, and we became very close friends. And he met with Rachel. She was looking. I don't know. I think John Acorn probably introduced her to Mark, and then Mark met with her, and he was busy at the time, so he kind of pawned her off on me. Uh, which is exactly the truth. Off. That's a beautiful way to put it. Absolutely. He was like, I can't deal with this girl. I don't know. What, uh, and I said, oh, I'll meet with her. I'm not busy at the moment. So we set up a meeting. Um, I talked to you on the phone very, very briefly. <laughs> Knew that Mark had sent you. And we met in Malibu. It's like Starbucks. Yes. Ma- yes. And, and as women are want to do, uh, we spilled her entire history over coffee like I mean you know I'm sure you've done it on a crosstown bus but you did it that day over a cup of coffee and um I at the time was not busy and you were looking to I think you wanted a sitcom I'm not exactly sure what you were looking for exactly you wanted everything somewhere in that area and I was like well I know how the business works well enough that unknowns aren't going to get a sitcom at this point in time so but I also thought well you were, she works at Strasburg. She does theater. It's really easy to get a show up in L.A. because there are so many little venues and shit. And I figured with the information that I had, there was a lot of autobiographical stuff. But I also had a lot of um, thoughts that I could insert because, well, we'll talk about that stuff later. But but it occurred to me that it would be very um, it would be easy to get a one woman show written and up, and then she'd be able to apply her trade without getting rejected and (laughs) tossed around as she had been. It just gave her a little bit of um, power. So anyway, so I went off and wrote a show and only it was at, it was only one act at first and it expanded over time, but, um, but it was a good show. And I, and what was great about her initial meeting with me we had a few i think we met another couple times in malibu at the same starbucks as i recall but but basically we had about three talks where it was me after a while kind of interviewing just to get a little more granular stuff about your past and then i just went off and wrote a show and kind of went and delivered it and went 
ta-da, <laughs> like here's your show. Oh and my gosh. Can I tell my side of the story? Please. I'm sure it's slightly different. <laughs> okay. It's slightly different. My side of the story is John Acorn couldn't decide whether to take me to a pitch meeting to Mark Waxman. He kept going back and forth. He's finally said, come with me. And Mark looked at me and he said, you, you should be doing stand-up comedy. And I went, no, I would never do stand-up comedy. I would have been actress. <laughs> But he said, I want you, right? But he said, I never want to perform for drunk people. But anyhow, he said, well, I do have a writer that I would like you to meet. And so I met with Sherry. Okay. And I thought she was writing me stand up. I swear I had no idea she was writing me a one woman show. Mark didn't tell me that. (laughs) That isn't what he told me. He just said he met an actress that was a friend of John's. Oh, this is weird. This is weird. No, he said stand up. So when Sherry handed me a show, I was like, what? I I don't well, have the First of all, I have huge respect for stand up and huge respect for actors. And they're not the same. And yeah. and stand ups write their own material. And that's the difference. So, right. so I, I, and that was not what you do. You, you, you're, you're naturally kind of funny, but it's not stand up. It's right. But this is so funny because uh, this is my memory of the story. And it was like, I always say the power of yes. I finally said, yes, I'll meet her. Yes. And Sherry also, uh, there are recordings and she had me do writing assignments. She would ask me these really provocative questions, really personal. And I would, I would send them to her, which I'm sure we have those emails and also (laughs) recorded me. Yeah. <laughs> so when she handed it to me, honestly, Max, I was in shock. It was total shock. Well, what was great was you you did have a rabbi, a rabbi sort of therapist. therapist. Yes. I so still what I, be, since I didn't know the rabbi therapist, I got to turn myself into the rabbi therapist. So anytime I had a thought, I could just insert it by saying, my rabbi therapist says, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and I could do an editorial comment and have, and it was fun. So telling, wait, <laughs> I didn't really even fun. know that i know that's why I, I never knew where There's that came from during the show but that makes sense now that that was like your thought and then after, after he just yeah. texted me my rabbi i swear yeah. i could read it to you he just texted me like i i know sherry and David and Mark and Phil, the whole team, and I'm sure Max too, all wanted this to change the fate of my life. You know, well, it, did. it did. And you t- you don't think about, here's the thing that I think about everything. It's not about what happens next. It's about what happens right now. And what that gave you was something to do that you loved doing. Whatever happened after it, is nothing you can control in the same way that being an actress and going in and doing an audition gives you no control. It gives you the control of doing you and the decision other people make, you can't. But by putting up a show in LA, it's it barely costs money to get a fucking theater. It's mm. pretty, I mean, they're not great, God knows, but they're serviceable and 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 you get to apply your trade and learn things and experience stuff. And by being connected to this the, the studio as you were, you got to work with Strasbourg and that was fun and I that was an eye-opening experience for me. And and I enjoyed Mary used to come to my acting class. And did and but but David was the first director. So that was I went, I came, I drove in from Algora every day and or not every day, but every day that you rehearsed. And it was very interesting. I, I I learned a lot. And I've having directed and worked in theater myself, it was interesting to to hear it from another 
angle that I hadn't heard it from. Hmm. So yeah, we were, Max, we were in the Haven. We used to be in the Haven rehearsing. My favorite place. God, this were a good time. Uh, I would take it back to that year any time. I would go through this experience in a minute again. It was so wonderful. It was fun. So I had a young the, daughter who was in high school. Yeah, go ahead. Finish, Sherry. Yeah. You had a young daughter. My daughter was in high school doing theater, and she would come occasionally. She would. She memorized the show, so on the way home, she would do the show. It was, really? Yeah. You never told me that. And why would I? But anyway, yes. <laughs> I love that. Jamie had the best laugh whenever she was she in the audience. Yeah. I knew she was there. Yeah. She saw it. She saw it a lot. <laughs> More than probably most people. Anyway. Besides but, me, uh, I think. It's probably the only me. other person that's watched it <laughs> that many times. No, but my favorite thing is when we expanded it. That was that was really fun. Because yeah. I just I just thought you needed a bigger challenge and a longer show to justify getting people to come. So that was that was great. We went from one character to uh, uh to four, if you count yeah. the just the, three three possible outcomes. And, <laughs> and then the little false ending of here's what you want, right? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Great so stuff. during the writing, you mentioned that uh, you inserted like kind of yourself as that rabbi voice, mm-hmm. right? If I'm understanding correctly, how did you find the voice for like Rachel, or how were you like? What was the process behind developing that particular voice? I mean, I, it, the stories were her stories, but I streamlined them because I <laughs> do have writing background, so they're a little more concise and structured than you do when you tell a story. Mm-hmm. And and also, I I think since it's not me, I was looking at it. It's it's very different telling your own story and having a story to tell that's not yours, so that you want to get across other things besides. I I had a different goal than she did, probably. So what was I, your goal? I got to. Um, Michael was just Michael is always this. Honestly, it's it, my entire life is kind of about what I think we're here for and what I think we're here for, for other people is to see them and to make them feel seen and understood and, and accepted. And Mm. I think um, one of the, one of the real missions for me in this show, um, aside from giving Rachel something to do (laughs) to buy her trade and get better and learn stuff was, um, and to make people laugh, of course, and to feel stuff was that I think, if we really look at even the most tiny parts of something, everybody's got a whole history. Everybody that we bump into every day, everybody that we see in a commercial, everybody that we see in the background of a commercial, everybody who doesn't have a line or does have a lot of lines, everybody's worked really hard to get there. And it means a lot. They probably called their parents and told them about it. I just wanted everybody to sort of open up their minds and see a bigger picture and embrace people that they might take for granted and maybe wonder or be more, I don't know, just, just opening up your heart a little bit to everybody. That's I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I think, I think nobody who saw your show didn't feel for you. And I don't, I don't mean like pity or anything creepy. Yes. I just mean, I think they really might have come in and judged you, which was part of the beginning of the show. Right. And then by the end, that's not what they thought at all, which right. is all I wanted, which is, you know, everybody in Hollywood is always looking, everybody everywhere, but in Hollywood, particularly, they look at the package 
decide what they see, decide where they probably come from, what their story is. And the more you can kind of tweak that and, you know, take that away, it, it opens up your mind and your heart. That's so beautiful. What, you know, that, God, that show had so much heart. Yeah. It, it really did. It and had- I think what a really important thing for me, Rachel, is that I never talked to you about it because that's not what writing should be. You're, you interpret it and you add you. And I already did my part. And then you see what you do. I remember there was one night, Paul Dooley and Winnie Holtzman are friends of mine, and they came to the show. And Paul Dooley said to me afterwards, I would love to do that show. <laughs> I was like, I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even know Paul Dooley came to the show. Yeah. 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 Anyway. but That's, cra- that's a crazy story. There's so much. Yeah. I really want everything from your side of the story. By the way, Sherry's so humble. She's an Emmy winning writer and uh, she's written incredible comedies in her lifetime and I assume are still writing I mean I might be but nobody cares anymore I created Kate and Allie back in the 80s and anybody who worked in the 80s who doesn't have a penis is no longer working (laughs) (laughs) so you kind of get aged out at 40 whether you're an actress or a writer but it's it makes no sense at all but it's how it works nobody wants to work with their mother or their grandmother they want to work with a hot chick even if they're writing that's awful or they'd rather work with a guy sad and awful and i don't like to hear that and i'd like that to change you know it's changing very slowly but not that not not i mean whatever Anyway, I try so, not to be bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of penis, um, yes. Al Pacino has one. By, uh, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> he way more than a what penis. What do you mean? It's accurate. It's a hundred percent accurate. <laughs> so Al Pacino came in the audience. I think it was night two, show number two or something like that. Uh, yes. I believe it was the second show. Do you remember that show? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> what was your initial reaction? Uh, I I thought that was uh, epic. It was very surprising. Um, not mean I knew he was affiliated, but I didn't think he'd come that early. First of all, but yeah, it was cool. It was. Um, I kind of wish he had come later, but that's okay. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's he's a huge presence. I've met him in other circumstances, weirdly, but um, this. Hmm? No, before and since I, but I mean, met when you meet someone that famous, they don't remember you. You remember, but them. I've I've seen Al many times since then, and brought oh, yeah. always. We talk about sugar happens, so yeah, you could great. have said, "Hey, Al." Yeah. yeah, you know. Anyway, I'm I. I mean, he's uh, he's amazing. So that was cool. That was very cool. Would you consider writing a part two to Sugar Happens, like a second Sugar Happens? Sugar Happens second again. Sugar happens. You know, we already explored the possibilities that were in my head at the time. And I mean, I wouldn't do that again because I think that I think that Rachel's I think that it's, what do I think? You might not be right. Well, no, it's probably true that I'm not correct. I guess it's just I have changed and the world has changed. Um, um, I mean, the world of how much material, how much stuff is getting done has changed. It's just a different Hollywood is so different. There's just so much. So much is different. Um, 
And with the pandemic, theater's different. Everything's just, I don't know what's going to happen after or during, or this is just a weird time to write anything. But one woman show, baby, that's a really good idea because you can usually mount that no matter how much COVID's raging. Um, both of my kids are in theater and it's been really difficult for all of us. Um, so you said you haven't been writing as much. What have you been up to? No, I've been drawing. Since then? I just, I wanted to go somewhere to get into that state of flow like for the whole day. So I don't have to think about anything. So drawing did that for me. I hadn't drawn in a really long time and, and uh, I'm doing that. Right on. All awesome. drag queens all the time. Drag queens. <laughs> it's hey, a long story. Let's do a little pitch for that. Where can people see your, your drawings? My, my drawings are on Instagram on Prince of Queens, like the P R I N T S of Queens. Ah, okay. Um, I don't, anyway, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I had, a, I've drawn over a thousand. I, I watched all, I, what happened was I was watching all, I've always watched all of RuPaul and I've always been a, I've been a lifetime ally of, you know, LGBTQ, all that stuff. And they seemed like the sort of most marginalized, except for trans um, group. And so many of them, don't have parents who speak with them. And I, I have this mothering instinct that I kind of adopt everybody who doesn't have that. And, uh, and again, it's about being seen and appreciated. And so I draw um, everybody that's on RuPaul every week on all the franchises. It's very tiring um, because there's a lot of franchises now. And uh, do they know about then, it. Yeah. Yeah. They all, I mean, not all, some of them engage in I've, talk to a bunch of them and and yeah they the ones who need it really appreciate it and that's it's nice yeah there's a lot of people that do fan art that or whatever it is that i'm doing that's great but mine are good though. Awesome. i have your original fan art the original sugar happens poster you do indeed you do indeed yes and that's it for this week's diary of an actress be sure to click on the extra content of me reading the actual diaries here are the ups and downs of being a hollywood actress there's always a silver lining at the end of the rainbow